Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and on this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss the massive job losses that have come as a result of COVID-19 and what the public demands and the government program set up to address these issues says about us. Joining me today is the man who sees everything from 30,000 feet, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, how's the view up there today? Skies are clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, clear flying. That's good. Also joining me today is the man whose political mind has such depth that he can be on the left and on the right at the same damn time. <laughs> Rob Richardson. Rob, are you ready to expand some minds today? What up, what up? I'm going to try. I'm going to do everything possible. All right, sounds good. Now, we're recording this on April 19th, 2020, and the already mind-boggling job loss numbers continue to mount. And it, it's just jarring, and there are real-world consequences. We wanted to take a look at this from the context of working people. A lot of the discussions that we've seen talk about the stock market and, 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 and the businesses, but let's, we want to also talk about the workers, because those are the people that feel it the, the most intimately as far as the food that's going into their, their, their bellies, the roof that's over their head, and so forth. So we wanted to take a, a step back and try to get a handle on why what's happening is happening and how it's happening. And obviously, an unexpected like event like this can cause problems for even the most well-oiled machines. But in comparison to much of the developed world, the fallout in the U.S., particularly as it relates to working people, has seemed to be less controlled. And relatedly, the actions taken to keep things together seem to be slow and have missed the mark in large part. So I wanted to start with getting a comment from you guys on just the report of the 22 million jobs that have been lost in the last four weeks. Tunde, what do you make of such an unprecedented decline? Um, that's a good question, man. It's, uh, what do I make of it is it's terrible. I mean, I'll start there. And, um, like you said, unprecedented. So, uh, I, just to give people a perspective, it took about a year in 2008, which was considered the worst, uh, recession since the great depression. Um, so literally the second worst financial event in a hundred years, it took a year for us to get from full employment, which at the time was around 4%. Uh, to around a 10% unemployment rate. Uh, here we've gone from full employment being about 3.5% to uh, what they estimate to be approximately 15% unemployment in four weeks. So uh, that's what that 22 million jobs represents, and I think the number is higher uh, because there's been a lot of states, especially the larger states like New York and Florida here, in California, which have the largest economies as well, and, the, and obviously through that, the largest um, number of employed people, if you add up all those states um, in the United States, and they've reported major issues with their um, unemployment systems. So we can assume that not everybody who's lost a job is actually being counted. Yeah. So there's been estimates, I've seen those numbers, probably between uh, 28 to 32 million. Um, <laughs> But so, yeah, so it is a big deal. Um, and what this looks like, we don't really know. Um, and like I said, because other times in history where you've had these um, uh, big enough shocks to an economy where you saw this type of job loss, uh, you know, it, it's, it's taken longer to play out. So mm -hmm. the ripple effects kind of happen as you went down. Here, you just have this immediate chopping off of the head in the sense of the workforce. And I think we're yet to see where, how all those ripple effects play out into the economy. That's going to be the next few months. 
So it's just, yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah. unprecedented, like you said. What about you, Rob? What, what, what would you look at that and what's your big takeaway or the first thing you take away? The big takeaway is that uh, America doesn't care about small businesses and doesn't care about workers. This is, this, is, this is another example of how this is playing out. And we'll get more into that why when we get into the particulars. But mm-hmm. uh, America is going right now uniquely through the shedding of jobs at this rate, at this just just magnifying scale. It's because of the systems we have in place. It's what we decided to do. We, we've decided that labor is not important. We give lip service to it. People talk about the dignity of work. People say, oh, we got to support the middle class. People say how we support our small businesses. When you look at how politicians, if they really support you, see what they vote for. Everything they, they have voted for, every, all their relief is actually centered towards big corporations, large corporations, People that where the CEOs making millions and millions and millions of dollars. That's that's not most small businesses. That's not most middle class. That's not middle class workers. But that's what the policies are aimed towards. So that's the only people that they're listening to. So uh, compare that to other countries. There was there was a couple of really good articles from the New York Times talking about how this was uniquely what America has decided to do. So when America approached this, they said, okay, how can we help the large multinational corporations? We gotta. They're too big to fail again, right? We so we followed the same model that we did in two thousand eight. And I think partly this is a, I don't think this is just a, a, a coronavirus thing. I think this is us not dealing with it on the, on the front end when, when 2008 happened. We never fully addressed the issue. We kind of put, you know, just kind of put some Band-Aids on it, move forward, and hope that the system will continue to work. I don't think it will continue to work. I think the fallout is going to be uh, drastic. It is going to be devastating. It already is devastating uh, because our system does not support workers. Our system supports uh like I said, sports corporation. Let me give you one clear example. So in 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 in, in Britain, uh, instead of having this package where you give money to businesses and then allow people to go on unemployment where they can't even get the unemployment, it takes a long time to get there. That's that's the United States. In Britain, they gave money directly to businesses just to subsidize workers. So people that are in the restaurant industry right now, eighty percent of their wages in the United Kingdom are being paid by the government because they know right now. The businesses can't do that. They can't be open. In the United States, we just don't we don't think that's important. And so we're going to go through a lot of pain because it's never been our priority. At least it hasn't been in the last 30 or 40 years. Workers or small businesses. Yeah, I was hoping actually you would bring out an example like that. I mean, because that's the thing that really sticks out to me about this is that the this is terrible and the pain is already being felt. But it appears that when you have such a massive quick drop like this that the extent of the pain won't even be felt yet like this is going to be much worse and then obviously the numbers are still trending so that there are going to be more job losses as we go but when you have such a drop at such a rate then in two months or in you know in two years it's it's hard to imagine you having any kind of recovery towards where you were before. Like I know Tunde had mentioned, like it took us this wiped out ten years of jobs. When you mentioned this offline, we this is knocked out ten years worth of job growth. This could, I mean, is this going to take a decade in four, to get in four in four weeks? In four, four weeks. weeks. <laughs> and so if you wipe out that in in four weeks, wipe out ten years of jobs that have been had been created, so to speak, or, and then you you those jobs are gone now. How long, how long is it going to take to get those jobs back? And then the ripple effects, if you look at the economy as the workers get paid in order to create the demand for people to be in business, workers have to have money 
in order for them to buy cars, in order for car dealerships to work. Workers have to have money to buy groceries or to go to restaurants in order for any of those businesses to work. Well, if, the, if you take a while the money from the workers or their ability to get money, then all of that other stuff, the cascade seems like it's going to keep getting worse. Like we're at the beginning. And so that's the thing that like it's it, this part is shocking. This part is terrible. And people feel this right now. But this is the, this isn't going to be over in a week. This isn't going to be over in a month. I mean, I hope this will be over in two years or three years. And so that's the thing that really stood out to me as far as this. I mean, Tony, is this going to take a decade to get back? Like what? what um, I, I know you're predicting, you know, I know it's, it's, it's <laughs> you don't you can't it's unknowable. But I mean, you look at this stuff closely like is this type of thing like they've been saying, oh, we get a V recovery. We, we go down, then we go right back up. But how how spread out is that V? You know, like, is this something that we could get back to to normal by August? Um, so roulette is my favorite game when I go to the casino and you're asking me if we're going to put it on red or black or which number on the wheel. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start by saying I rarely win at, at the at the roulette table and hopefully I can do better here. Um, uh, look, I don't know the answer. Obviously, no one does, because like we just said, this was unprecedented. But I, I, I agree with the idea that it's going to take a long time. This will not be a V-shaped recovery. Um, I've been telling people that I know that I talked to about this stuff, you know, take a look at the charts from the Great Depression of, of the stock market um, and also of the Great Recession from 12 years ago, um, because you'll see that those aren't V-shaped immediate down and up like we saw in the fourth quarter of 2018. Um, and you'll see that there's a lot of peaks and valleys in there. Uh, there's, you know, 20, 30% rallies that followed up by 40% sell-offs over months. And I think that's what we're in store for with the markets, you know, is if, if I can limit my prediction to just that, which is kind of a painful roller coaster for several years. Um, because like you guys said, in the end of the day, the, the stock market is a reflection of, of consumption, demand, and economic activity. And so, the idea of going from from three and a half to, to close to fifteen percent unemployment in the United States um, in four weeks is unprecedented. So we can imagine that the 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 after effects are also going to be unprecedented. Something we haven't seen. But then let's let's well, couple that. But you that. have to keep it, in mind, though, Tunde, that the stock market has been divorced from that stuff in many ways because the government has decided to bail out big money in this instance. Well, so the stock it. market well, hasn't, I've seen people asking the question, if you go based on, well, let me say this and I'll get, put you back in, but I've seen people asking the question that why hasn't the stock market gone down more based on all of what's going on? And the reason being is that they, it's being artificially propped up. Um, so I think, one, I, I do want to focus more on, you know, working people, well, but I know, me, I know your me, expertise is in stock, so go the, ahead and, the question, and get back into that. That's where I was going is yeah. um, the because I wasn't going with the stock market itself in this comment. I was just saying to people, because that's a reflection of economic activity, it's good to look back at those periods of time on the charts because you'll see that the charts aren't pretty and it takes years to play out. Um, it's, it's just a, the easiest visual uh, to get an idea of what we're talking about. But back to your point, because that's where I was focusing on the, the answer of the question about jobs and labor. That's where I do think that because... Look, after the, the last crisis 12 years ago, the great financial crisis, the, the jobs came back, but the quality of jobs and the makeup of the labor market was much different. But the stock market, you're right, still went up and didn't reflect that the quality of the jobs wasn't as good necessarily as what they had been in decades past. So or, I, I think... Or, I the, think, 
or the stock market went up because the quality of jobs were, well, were much that's, lower quality. That's a, that's a different discussion than, than just this point here, true, which is true. answering the question of, are we going to see the jobs come back and all that? My, my, my kind of concern and, and, and sadness is to say, I don't think so. That, that doesn't reflect my view of the stock market. I mean, the stock market could go up over the next decade. Yeah. But I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see the opportunity, like we saw 12 years ago, uh, for more automation, um, more use of technology to, um, to replace workers. I think that this, this, the trend that we saw of, of uh, remote work, which was already starting to slowly roll out, um, has been now forced and tested, and it's working. So I think that's going to add to um, the change in the makeup of the um, uh, uh, employment landscape. No, and I so, think that's an interesting point. I want to get over to Rob on this one yeah. too, man. But the, the, the concept that, I, I think you're really onto something there, that after the 08 crash, the quality of job, the type of job that came back, you know, the workers had less leverage. And right, so right. when the lot workers went back to work, they went back to work in worse conditions. And that may be what happens have, here again. I have a similar answer. You know, we're going to, you know, predicting the future is a really bad business to be in. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take to recover. What I am quite confident in saying is that uh, how, what does recovery look like? I mean, that's what I'm trying to figure out. The question is, if recovery means that how long to the stock market stabilizes and we get those who are already doing well to start making more profit, I don't know. I think that's going to happen. I don't know. That's still going to be a while, but I think that's going to happen. The real question is, what does the structure and the nature of the economy look like? And do those jobs come back, as Tunde says, or do we or do we even exacerbate more towards extreme inequality? I think that's where we're heading. As I mentioned earlier, uh, 2008, we did nothing for those issues. We essentially reinforced the same infrastructure and said it's going to be okay as long as we just prop those up at the top. And we'll keep that infrastructure, and that's going to take care of the rest. Though we had Democrats in charge, we, for the most part, we, we use socialistic policies to reinforce uh, top-down, just give more money to those at the top and let it trickle down policy. So we use socialism to help trickle down economics, which is so, crazy. Socialism for the rich. Socialism <laughs> yeah, for the socialism rich. socialism for the rich. And, and everybody, every man for themselves for everybody else. And I think that's going to get worse because of... You know, automation and things like that coming into play. And unless and until people decide that we need to have a different type of system, people will suffer more and more and more. That's my I hope I'm wrong prediction, but that's my I think that's the trend no matter how the economy keeps going. Unless people decide in the United States of America, we are sick of how things are going and we need things to change. Well, yeah, that's going to be the well, key. Right. That has to happen. Let me jump in. Well, let me let me I didn't get a comment I, on this. So I want to, okay. to mention um, I think that, yeah, the the. Recovery, what, what type of recovery, and when you say how long is it going to take to recover, what type of recovery is the actual embedded question in that? Because if you're talking a recovery where the market starts, the, the stock markets and those things start looking healthy, that could probably come more quickly. Um, but a recovery where working people can get back on their working feet, or, oh, excuse me, on their feet by and large could take a lot longer if it's going to happen at all. I mean, it, it, are we going to end up now with even more people with jobs that don't really pay the rent and pay the mortgage and pay the bills, um, more people that are working crazy hours and more people that are doing just on, on the, the margins, just, just scraping by. Is that where we're going now? Um, the policies that have been put in place seem to reinforce that or double down on that concept where, hey, we're going to take care of the people up top. And then, as you said, Rob, we'll hopefully think that that prosperity will trickle down. And 
until the workers demand a better fair shake. And that's really all of the workers. As long as the workers are so easily divided um, or distracted, then that's how this keeps happening to them. Like you said, it doesn't even seem to matter who's in charge. Like it's just people are like, hey, the, 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 the people at the top are organized and saying, hey, if you take care of us, everything will be okay. And the, the people and, and the workers are saying, it's your fault, it's, their, it's this guy's fault, it's that guy's fault, it's that guy's fault. And so they're pointing fingers at each other while everybody else or, you know, while, while the, the, the people at the top just clean up and, and basically take advantage of the government to get from it what they feel they need. Uh, Tunde, I, I do want to move on, um, but I, I know you want to get something in real quick. Like no one's going to come and rescue labor without labor, you know, kind of doing something to, to, to put their own foot forward. And that's what I'm saying is that the industrialist is not going to say, oh, you poor worker, let me come and help you. Because clearly, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here with some of the PPP stuff and all that is, is that, you know, the, the trickle down idea is an idea, but it seems to not work that well in practice because most people with capital and, and won't just give it away, right? I mean, it's kind of a human thing where if, if I got mine, I'm not just going to give it just because just it's there. Either I got to be forced to or I have to have a reason to, a demand reason that I, I, need, to, I need to allocate this here because I'm going to get something back. Power sees nothing without demand, never has, never will. Yeah. Frederick Dulles agrees. So, and that's why, I mean, going back to, I guess, the first part of our conversation, I think it's going to have to get a lot more painful for society before any changes are made. I think you guys are right that this is going to be like um, the great financial crisis and stimulus on steroids in terms of the, the outcome, that it was just going to be more money sprinkled at the top that'll trickle down a little bit less to the very bottom and you're going to get more inequality over the next decade. And that's actually a really, and, that's a really good way to put it. And the sad part is in the yeah. outcome of that is going to be more social unrest because people that's, aren't going to see what we're saying, too. right? People aren't going to, and, and, and that's what I mean. Like we can look back here and say the, the, the poor guys in the coal mines who, who were so um, excited about getting employed in the coal mines again in the last few years, you know, they didn't uh, really get employed, but go wait, ahead. Correct. My, my, my point was always thinking. <laughs> they just feel good, but go well, ahead. All right. <laughs> my point was thinking is that, and it's sad because they're the ones that lose in the end, and they're good people, and you know, they, 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 they think that they're doing the right thing, but what happens is they get manipulated and used by politicians for votes and to, to maintain power, and then those politicians, to you guys' point, they get lobbied by technology companies that then develop robots to go in there and work the coal mines. And the robots don't have health insurance. They don't have HR issues. They don't need to have pensions and matching on their four hundred one k. So let's let's yeah. keep moving though, because I mean that you did illustrate yeah, that. I yeah. mean, so I, I wanted to I wanted to briefly touch on um, the, the the government stimulus program and how that's been been implemented. You know, it's it's been one with the stimulus checks. We know that's been very slow. You know, like they're saying. And, and interestingly enough, another thing that's slowing them down is that. The, the president, for the first time in history, wants to put his name on the stimulus check. Um, now, so they have that. They, they, they had the Paycheck Protection Program, which apparently is exhausted now. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a, a chance to comment on that in terms of just structurally that setup and how it does seem to, we've, indica- we, we've, we've, we've kind of alluded to this already and maybe said it outright, just how that the setup of the stimulus seemed to not really be to address workers. And then the parts that were set up to address the workers have been the slow parts, have been the parts that haven't really rolled out or that rolled out and were used up immediately. Um, and then we can get to, um, I, I would like to have a, a longer discussion on just how we end up in a place where 
everybody says we're capitalists, we're capitalists, we're capitalists, then something goes wrong. And then all of the same people that are talking about capitalism are, have their hands out looking for socialist programs and solutions. Um, but first, um, the, the, the stimulus program. Rob, I'll start with you on this one. What is going on here? Like, so the people aren't getting their money. The, the, the big companies are getting money, but the people aren't getting their money from the stimulus. The Paycheck Protection Program is, is out of money, you know? And, and yeah. so, I mean, what do, what do you see there? What, what, what's going on with that? Like, was that by design or is that just bad implementation or what? I think it's bad implementation and by design. I think, I think it's actually both. Yes. Right? I mean, you have... Uh, Democrats who were championing uh, a lot of this bill saying, look at all the things it does for small businesses. Look, we got more money than we ever did uh, for people that are working. Uh, look, the, it, this was a really, really bad deal given what's going on right now. And let, I'm going I'm to take it from both the workers and the small businesses point of view. I'll, I'll take it from the workers point of view first. I mentioned this earlier, but I need to restate it again. This is a choice that America has made. This is a this is really, 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 really the choice we've made. We've decided that we don't want to invest in workers directly. Other countries have done it directly. They pay their workers right now. Other countries are giving two thousand dollars a month or fifteen hundred dollars a month to every single worker, no matter what. Like there wasn't a bunch of debate. Oh, we don't want to support all these lazy people. There might be some immigrants we support. There might be people of color. Nobody did any of that. Like in America, that was the debate. So it wasn't, in the, and that's never really the real debate. The debate is the capitalists don't want to give money to people. Uh, the second part, small businesses. You know, at least you're, you're talking about the, the the engine that is employing people directly. Republicans love to talk about small businesses, just like they like to talk about the common man. Small business this, small business that. This bill didn't do anything for small businesses. The biggest companies in the world found loopholes to get all the small business loans and the big business loans. <laughs> you know, you know, one of my one of my favorite books is Leaders Eat Last. I think it's the it exemplifies what leaders are supposed to do. They eat last in the military. All all your commanders, everybody else eats, and the general eats last. These fools eat last, second, first, fourth, dessert. They eat it all. They yeah. want everything. Yeah, they, the they're the only ones eating. So it's by design and poor implementation. It's both. Well, yeah, I, that's an interesting way to put it. I think it's by design because because the people who were intended to get the money did get the money. It's the, the the scraps that they threw to everyone else is where either you see they got they got squeezed out when it came to the paycheck protection program, yeah. or with the the stimulus checks going directly to people. That's just the slow rollout. But when it came to the big companies getting their money, they got paid. You know, like it, they, they, that was implemented well, very well. And so, you know, like Tunde, what, what what do you think on this one? Um, I think a lot. Um so first is, uh, I, think, I think we've got several things here. You've got the behavior of, of people that have something, right? The capitalist or industrialist or, the, or, the, or the, you know, the billionaire type, which we've talked about before on this show and others. And it is kind of the human trait. If I got something, I'm not giving it, giving it up for free, right? I feel that I worked hard for it, whatever. Remember, whether we think something is right or wrong is someone's head. But we're head, not talking taxes. No, yeah, we're not talking taxes. So, we're talking about well, the government sets aside let me keep money. Going. Okay, so, go ahead. So, so, then, so then in any of those environments, you know, you need some sort of check and balance and oversight. So the first thing that we should recognize is the inspector general, the person that was supposed to oversee the, the proper dissemination of the stimulus, was fired. So it, it, it already started out with a kind of with, with a with a, a bent towards uh, non-transparency and how this 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 process was going to play out. 
So I think that's one just part of it. The second part is, you know, I think the haste to which it was created. Uh, and, and to your point, guys, again, not to get to Mr. Conspiracy Theory here on my side, but one could, I've seen this play out in the financial markets where the institutions uh, can have a role in driving stock prices down because they understand that many Americans watch TV every day and have 401ks and have an emotional tie to their money going up and down. And then what happens is you've got politicians in the Senate and the Congress, a lot of whom do, don't understand mechanics of finance in the market and also who are more self-interested in re-election. So what you had here was a market dropped 30% in three weeks and a bunch of politicians so scared of what was going to happen that Wall Street and the Fed and the bankers could then come in and say, hey, guys, the only way to fix this is you got to throw a trillion of dollars at this problem. And it comes back to like we've talked about before is it everything becomes sloppy because they throw all this money at it. And you guys are right. People that don't have the whole country's interest at heart and, and small businesses and employees interest at heart get in there and, and they kind of make this stuff happen. And so and I know we've talked about this offline before that you've got a, 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 a stimulus that was a sticker price of two trillion dollars. Um, a lot of. Uh, um, advertising that this was going to be all for, or not all, but uh, but this was such a good look for small biz- businesses when small businesses employ 53% of the workforce in the United States to a payroll of approximately $100 billion a week. So for helping out that sector of the economy, out of $2 trillion, they allocated $350 billion. So really, we're talking three and a half weeks of payroll if this money were to get to every single small businesses. And what you guys have rightly observed is that a lot of large corporations have taken their fair share. So oh, even the money, money the small business. Correct. Yeah, even no, the money even that was the allocated. Correct. Yeah, so correct. They so said most I, of it. I read one of the articles that you guys sent uh, for preparation for this show is uh, said that uh, out of the $350 billion portion, so again, like you guys are saying, not the $2 trillion, but just that $350 billion, there were 50 publicly traded companies that got a total of 250 million. So you're talking, you know, roughly 8%, 7% of this went to companies that have the ability to access uh, in the capital markets, uh, uh, you know, liquidity. And so it's just, you know, and, and this goes back to some stuff we t- alluded to earlier. This is why I think it's just going to be more painful over the next decade. And we're going to see what we talked about, which is a further spread of the haves and have nots because. The little crumbs, like you guys put it, out of $2 trillion, $350 billion left for 53% of the workforce that has a $100 billion a week payroll. And we just identified that $250 million was already sucked out by companies that don't fit that, that description. And that's what we just know about now. There's probably more than that. So, you know, that's why, to me, it's just sad um, that we have this environment where this has happened and is allowed and is going to create... Um, you know, just a wider gap. And, and unfortunately, that's why I said we're going to see more social unrest because most people don't understand what we're talking about because it's complex and you can't just listen to it in five minutes and get it. Um, you know, well, and gonna, then also the blame game is going to go That's what I was going to say. They're going to allow themselves to be led to blame, you know, whoever it is, you know, the other, whoever they don't already yeah. like. Correct. That, that's, whoever that's whoever yeah. is but, a perceived but, enemy, quote I, unquote. I'd actually like to speak to that point very quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, I'm politics. <laughs> Politics is simple, but it's not easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. What do I mean by that? I mean that if, and I'm particularly talking to Democrats, 
Uh, if you want to be elected more, actually have the convic- have the courage of your convictions. Follow through with things even when it's uncomfortable. This would have been a hard thing to do at this moment to say, look, we're not falling for any stupid ass bill that doesn't actually help the people that it's intended to help. You can put all the pressure you want to. You guys are the actually ones in charge. You create this mess. We want to help it, but we're not going to make the situation worse. So that would have been, that's not easy, but it's simple because you can go back to your people and say, they want to build to give the set to do the same thing we did before to give all the rich people that created all this problem, all the money without any accountability. We're not doing that. We want to help people. That's hard because there's also lobbyists, of course, that's working for Democrats, too, that are big. But you know what? Democrats right now have the leverage and they got to tell these people, look, we're trying to help you, too, because more money will be created if we create a more structural, balanced economy. But that, that takes having courage. But it's look, things are simple, but they're not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, well, and now, I would say, can, can I just add this real quick? Because it's an interesting way you put it, Rob. You know, talking to Democratic politicians, you're right, is one thing because they're supposed to be at least perceived to be on the side of labor. And I think we should talk to the 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 voters, let's say, of the Republican side of the GOP, because it goes back to when I may, alluded to that example of the coal miner. You know, at some point, too, they need to hold their their uh, politicians accountable for not also, you know, coming through for labor in a certain sense. Maybe they have a different idea of how labor should be supported than Democrats. But I think both parties, you know, you guys have alluded to it. We need to figure something out so that this doesn't keep happening and people that have had jobs, you know, lose them and don't don't have an ability to come back to a job because, you know, there, there's there's not enough there. So the thing that stands out to me here and is most concerning is just it doesn't appear that the leadership has the best interests of the country by and large. Um, and it's it, 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 in its sights. Uh, it seems like the leadership is trying to win the press conference. And that's it. And you can see that sometimes this is illustrated well in sports. Sometimes you can see it in politics. Sometimes you can see it in business where somebody's more concerned with the press coverage they're going to receive in the following days than they are with addressing the issue. Because the problems that are going to be introduced from here, like even, Ntunda, you've mentioned this in recent weeks, like doing this this big right now is going to is not going to solve the problem. You know, like this is just going to be the setup for something else that needs yeah. to happen, probably something bigger. And, and then, so by simply not addressing, knowing that we can't address the problem in full right now, by shooting such a big load to just give primarily the big boys something to cover their, 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 their perceived losses, not that they're in dire straits, but the people that are in dire straits, we're just going to let them kind of flail at the, you know, and just at the end of the line and see what happens. But it seems like everybody's trying to win that next day's press conference. And, is, and then if they'll just then tomorrow, they'll just try to do the same thing. It's not like, hey, let's set up something that can be workable over time. Um, and, and maybe part of that is the disconnect that we have in terms of how we see ourselves as a nation, by and large. And Americans, you know, in general, we see ourselves as this capitalistic, you know, you, you self-made man, pull yourself up by your bootstraps nation. Yet many of us, including those at the top, seem to be quick to look to socialism and social programs, government assistance when it comes to doing to getting out of bed in the morning. Like the, it's jarring to me to see how we've had all this debate over socialism and so we've had socialist politicians over the past few years become more prominent. 
And everybody's telling you how bad that is. Well, not everybody. So many people are telling you how bad that is. But yet, as soon as we hit this crisis, everybody's saying, I need money from the government. I need money from the government. It's like newsflash. You guys are saying you want socialist programs. And so is it just, are we all capitalists when things are going good and then socialists when things are going bad, which is a terrible a recipe for disaster? Tunde, can you speak to that dichotomy that we see here where it's like people are socialists but then they're not. But then, they're like, what is that? What's, what yeah, is that? Yeah, no, I think you hit it perfect. I mean, yes, the answer is uh, in in today's modern world, the way we've evolved. Let me put it that way: is because we're and you you mentioned a lot and a lot of good stuff, which I think. <laughs> but it's, the, the sad part is, is they're all now connected and kind of intertwined. But they all, if you if you you know if you think of it as a ball of yarn that's all mangled up. When you, when you get each strand of yarn out, it might lead somewhere else. So to your point about the politicians that would rather have, you know, shine more in the press in the short run than, than, than do the right thing for the country. I mean, again, they've been conditioned that way because of just the way politics has evolved over the last 30 years. That's a whole other show, basically. But, but then to, to come back to your point of, yes, we've also become conditioned in our culture that everything is a, is a, is a binary choice. It's either this or that. So I, I, I'm either a capitalist or a communist or socialist, you know, it's, it's, and, and this idea of being able to see any gray in the area has, has left our culture. Well, Cause, and, cause and remember we did that show a while back on how these labels are thrown around more like gang signs yeah, than correct. they attach any meaning to. Like you say you're a capitalist, but you are at the front of the line for socialist programs. Not no, you, exactly. but you know, like and, and but that's the thing is that because when when times are normal, I don't know if I can say good or bad, but when they're normal, then everyone's got their regular opinions and their beefing and all that. Oh, you know, this is socialist or this isn't socialist and all that. At failing to see that, you know, there's always been some socialist component in our country, whether you talk about military spending, Social Security, you know, Medicare, all that kind of stuff. And Fire people department, seem, yeah, police people department, seem to roads. not have issues with those. But when you label it a certain thing, it just like there's always been capitalistic uh, sides to the economy. So if, if, if you're always trying to play a game of navigating the polar extremes of those, then yes, during normal times, people will shun the idea of, of bringing in some sort of socialistic, you know, uh, 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 conversation into an economy. But then when this stuff hits the fan, you're right, they're all running to the trough asking and begging for, for something to, to slurp on. And I think the idea is just like we've done with a lot of things in our culture and economics is one of them. We've gone away from understanding the basic fundamentals of what is like supply and demand, macroeconomics. You know, if you look at something like Keynesian economic theory, um, it's, it's probably been proven to be the best theory until someone comes up with something better. But the idea that in, 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 in a business recession or de- depression or in, uh, that type of environment, the government and the central bank is the only one that can create demand since business and government can't. And the idea is, be, again, a lot of things come down to human behavior because humans tend to hoard during times of crisis. Kind of like we saw recently yeah, here with this point. toilet paper hoarding. So when people feel in time of crisis, like we saw in the Great Depression, they hoard money. They hoard cash. That's yeah. why you had runs on the banks. Instinctively. What, correct. And so yeah. what happened is during that time, we saw that the Federal Reserve and, 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 and the fiscal policy of the nation from the government did not put more money out there. They, they, they hoarded the money too. And that created a depression. 
So John Maynard Keynes was an economist who came up with a theory that said during those times when the human as an individual hoards, that means collectively the society is hoarding. The only, the only entity then that can create some sort of demand to kind of get us out of this death spiral is a central bank through a government. And so, because they, they can contract, you know, they can start ordering supplies and, 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 and get businesses back to production and, and manufacturing goods start, and services. Yeah, start infrastructure Correct. spending. So, start, I mean, that was kind of a big plat part of the New Deal. Correct. And so what happened is we had since post-war from about 1945 to 1973 or so, uh, let's say the mid-70s, you had a beautiful example of how that worked well in the United States and post-war Europe. And then through several things, um, um, a, lot of, a lot of it being the oil shock of the 70s, you started getting people like you do in generations, right? People start throwing off the yoke of the older generation. Those old fogies don't know what they're talking about. And new ideas sprung to life, and one of them, of course, was supply-side economics, which was then championed by Ronald Reagan in his 1980 election. So, and then you, you know, you get that coming in for the next generation or two. And so, I see, but they still we still got that the Keynesian stuff whenever crisis hit, though. Like, I do want to get the rob on this real quick. Yeah. One thing I want to note, though, and you, you, I think you're correct in pointing out that Keynesian theory as far as how the government spends when things get bad, and and that that's intended to to bring things out of that spiral. The thing we see right now, really over the last twelve years, is how ripe that is for exploitation. Because yeah. that's what's really happening. I think happening. that's the way to look at it. Is, yeah, is, so it's now that's being what's used. Because, yeah, yeah, correct. Because it's, it's being totally exploited right now. That is a good transition. Uh, because right now, all of it is being concentrated at the top, and then there's no accountability on the other end. Because when we did it during the Great Depression, and even some under Reagan, but a lot less. Uh, you know, there was people had to pay some money. Like, okay, if corporations are making all these profits, they had to pay more. Now, now they're getting the money on the front end, the back end, everything in between. <laughs> We're building, building huge deficits, and we're not we're not also not paying back the government, which means we're not paying back ourselves. Which means I think that's a I think that's a bubble that's about to be burst too. And then I don't know what happens. I mean that's that's the problem well, yeah, with this yeah. socialistic like I want socialism for just the rich, the very few, and then screw everybody else because money gets concentrated at the at the top and it bursts like every other bubble. That's what I predict is going to happen. I don't know how, but I think in some way that happens. Well, it's yeah. already happened in the sense that. The money's been concentrated at the top, and it, it's basically been. That's why, like the Keynesian theory, you know, to, 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 I know Tunde was going to get to this, but is that when things are going well, you the government stops doing that. The government then needs to to, to pay that money back. But there see, it is. over exactly. the last yeah. forty years, basically since Reagan put in the supply side economics part. That money's never been paid back. We've just been continually borrowing. So it's already happened, but the government continues to borrow and, and, and inter- inject enough money that the system can appear to still be working. And that's, that's, that's the Trump economy, basically. He's saying yeah. you've had this great economy, but you've been borrowing a trillion dollars a year. Like, how are you borrowing a trillion dollars a year if it's a great economy? So you reveal that in terms of, and, and, and really, the, stimu- the way the stimulus package happened now really revealed that. It's really, for, um, when you look at the, the, the well-to-do in our country, it's socialism for me and everybody else is on their own. Yep. And, and that's really what we see here. It's almost like a, a co- combination of supply-side economics and Keynesian theory, where it's yeah. like, we'll take the money. We'll, we'll b- have the government borrow money to give it to us. 
and then and you guys all just figure out figure out the rest. Yeah, and the then we we'll cut taxes still, further, so we have to pay less when we're doing well. <laughs> no, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah and so it, it's <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> it's that, not crazy if you're on that side. Though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. It's funny. Like as long as you can get away with it, no, they kind of game the system, and then no wonder why they look at us like we're all idiots because we let them do it. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. It's crazy. As long as you can get away with it, you can see why people are doing it, and and so that's to both of you guys' point that the pain ideally the pain would come and then people would stop letting him get away with it last time we saw this um, and after in the fallout after 2008 where you had the Occupy Wall Street movement and things like that but the problem was that that was one group of people but another group of people looked at that and the Tea Party and said it was the immigrants fault you know or it was it was you know like Black Lives Matter is the problem yeah. right? like oh, so as Obama. long as you're Don't able forget. to divide the attention of the masses and say, hey, 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 I have all the money, but the reason I have all the money, don't, don't, that's not the reason you don't have money. Right. The, the reason the, you don't have money that, is because of immigrants. Really you're right. Real quick point. You're right about that. And what, uh, what the Democrats have to do, I'm blaming this mostly on them, is find a way to get enough people engaged for a long enough period. That's the issue because they got it, because that, that divide is always going to be there. And if you end up winning, and then when you actually get in office, push the issues and yeah, actually no, get them through what it is, yeah. and win. And then people, you will convert some people. I guarantee you, you'll convert some people. Well, but you, to have have to, a, you have to, to win. Like, you, you have, have to not win. win at the election, but you actually have to do and the then, policy. And then like, and implement the policy. You have to you implement You got to win do it the election right. and win the policy. And do, but and but do also, the policy right, too. That's the yep. other key is in that. But it's also about, um, not to get now into politics, but it's also about advertising when things have worked. So one thing, Correct. you know, That's under- part of it too. Yeah, and understanding kind of the Wall Street side of it, you know, one thing that I've, that I've heard many times talked about by Wall Street people in a positive way is, is how much, how well the banks are capitalized coming into this crisis, this COVID-19 crisis, which has helped us probably avert something to be a lot worse than, than otherwise will be. Um, and one of the things that, again, the reason why the banks are so well capitalized and, and healthy coming into this is because of two things, Dodd-Frank and the Consumer Financial Protection Agency. Yeah. Those, those, those regulations that came into place after the last crisis actually have helped us be at least in a better position now than we otherwise would have been. You know, the banks aren't levered as much as they were going into 08. That would have been a lot more painful with the market we just saw come down in March. I mean, it might have been a 60% drop in the market had the yeah. banks been levered, you know, 80 times again and all that. And just little little examples like that. And and I think you guys are right. I mean, it's not just it's not just the, the Democratic politicians. All that. I just want to look at us as the American people in, in mass because you guys bring up like the Tea Party. You know, the Tea Party started in in a sense in a very genuine way i mean that was scary times remember 08 09 you know you had yeah, the you government give them more grace no, to me no but, rob but, and i but, rob and i have talked but, about this their yeah. anger was legitimate they That's just they pointed yeah. at the and wrong so, person yeah, yeah. And, and that was what i was getting at is that is that you had some legitimate um uh, uh concerns right of, of average americans and then they allowed themselves to be manipulated into these culture wars and all that and that's what I wanted to get at here is, is some of these ideas that we've grown up with and we've seen, you know, this kind of quote unquote fiscal conservative, right? This was supposed to be the Tea Party. And like you said, then then here we are running trillion plus dollar deficits again and everyone's silent. So Well, the Tea Party reemerged now about the COVID nineteen, but go ahead. Well, that's a whole other that's, Yeah, that's why. Let's not get off tangent. I'm not here, I'm but, just making the point. But, go. But um but the, Well, I just the, I just brought well, him up though, just to point to 
the fact that we've been through this before. And it, the, the question to Rob's point of saying people have enough people have to say, hey, we want a fair shake economically. You, if, in order for that to happen, you have to minimize how many people get distracted and say. But this is this is where it's going to get worse, man, because because people are going to want to be distracted and allow themselves to get distracted. And the politicians are going to have fun offering that up. <laughs> um, but but here's here's where I'm getting kind of fiscal conservative, quote unquote, stuff. So this is the problem with, with what I see when we do things like this, this stimulus here, because it's so sloppy. And then, and then everyone's going to complain when we, first of all, why do we have to do something so big so fast? We could have said, look, let's start with $500 billion, not $2 trillion, and let's make sure it goes to the right places. But then to your point, this goes, this gets squandered by a lot of businesses that shouldn't get it because they're too big, but they're going to get it anyway. So then we have, the government's going to end up spending twice. They're going to spend the initial $350 billion, which is we just found out a week ago or the beginning of this past week was, was now it's officially tapped out and dried up. So now they're going to push out another $350 billion. We're probably going to spend a trillion on small businesses before this is over. Quote, unquote, designated spend. to small so, businesses. Designated. That's why I say, quote, unquote. It won't all go there. But then here's what I'm starting to hear now when I'm reading you know, and watching all these financial shows that, that kind of get in the weeds with stuff, not just the headline stuff. Because of this massive shock from the virus causing all this immediate stoppage in, 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 in kind of economic activity, what you're having is a massive cut to state budgets from a lack of sales tax revenue because people aren't out there shopping and going to restaurants and all that. And then you've got for, I mean, I'm in Florida, we don't have a state income tax, but most states have a state income tax. So what there's a lot of concerns now is with people making less income, they're going to have less, uh, the states will have less revenue from income taxes. So now what the states are all worried about is having a massive hole because they won't be able to afford their unemployment program. So what's going to happen is the government's going to, meaning the federal government, is going to be out there being asked now to, to backstop the states, which is going to be necessary because you can't just let... States not have state money for governments. Just for your point, state governments are not allowed to run at a deficit. You know, like they don't, do, they can't just borrow trillions of dollars like the federal government. Correct. So, so my point is, you know, not to get into a whole economic talk here and, and finance thing, but I guess what I'm saying is the same people that claim to be all these fiscal conservatives and hawks, and like we talked about the Tea Party, you know, the, the sad part is, is they do allow themselves to get kind of on a tangent, off it, uh, and, and distracted on a tangent with these social and cultural issues. Because those because people really are the, the ones. Issues that yeah, they those care people about. are the ones that should be should be talking now. Like 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 this is such a waste, and I fear that this is going to be north of five trillion before it's over. Because like we just identified two trillion, and we're already like using it up in in, in two three weeks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, you do it's wonder ridiculous. where the people who are saying we should be measured about this and trying yeah, to be thoughtful about where it. Are where are they? those yeah. people? They are silent. It's like. And, and instead, they're in mass protests against Corona. Like, Corona, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're like, going what? to beat Corona. It's like, yo, man, the Corona's not a dude. Like, that's not a, like, what do you mean you're going to beat? That's not another team. Like, that is, be like, that's something just, we have to deal with, not beat. But, but that's, now, I got a question for you guys, though. And, I mean, we could probably uh, move towards a, a conclusion after this. But maybe this is just how human beings are, though, because you see this in a lot of institu- with a lot of institutional thinking. Like, you see this in religion, for example, where people will, will profess to yes. have one set of beliefs, but when their actions come down to it or things relate more closely to them, they will 
those beliefs will be less rigid. You know, they'll be more practical, basically. Like, hey, yes. you know, I know I, I said that, you know, you, you got to be like this, you got to be like that. Yeah, but like, right you never pulled a cheat on your, you you your spouse, but I did what's supposed to be. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, like, right. so, so people, and, and so same thing with when you look at socialism and capitalism, because they're used more like gang signs than people really saying, this is my belief in terms of the way things are going. Maybe that's what happens is that, you know, when, when, when you feel like you're in control, you say, look, I don't need any help. I did this all myself. But as soon as you feel, you feel uh, vulnerable, you turn around and ask for help. And so maybe the goal should be that we try not to, and, and I mean, I don't know if we're, it's just easier to manipulate people this way, but maybe the goal should be to not just say you are this or that, but more so you're about trying to solve problems. You know, like, is, is this part of our, our wiring though? Like, do, do, do we just, are we always going to be like this? Well, the answer is we always have and always will be this way. We, we tell yeah. ourselves stories. We're always going to do that. The bigger question is, can we get enough leadership in the country to bring enough people along to implement policies that improve things over a sustained period of time? That's really what we need to figure out a way to do because if we provided can, that's what we want, provided that's what people want, because well, the people left, I'll tell you this, the people who put their money and their attention to trying to manipulate the government are getting what they want. Right. right now. Yeah. Yeah. People, but people never know. So the answer, people never know what they want. Uh, who was it? Henry Ford <laughs> said, I'm just being right. Henry Ford said, had I gone with what people wanted instead of building a car I would have built a better horse. Like, so like the goal of enough leaders <laughs> is to figure out how to get the people what is actually needed versus- You need people, leadership with vision. You need leadership with vision yeah. and a way to, so people can actually understand where they need to go. And yes, leaders that have some courage to know that people aren't going to like it. And at the end of the day, you might be wrong a part of it, but just keep trying, keep moving, keep improving. We haven't had, like, I, I think Obama was a genuine leader that didn't have enough courage when he got there. That was the issue with, with Obama. When he got there, he tried to figure out a way to make everybody get along. And look, that's not the goal. The goal is to improve things, even if people don't like you. Who cares? Like, <laughs> just what matters is doing what's right for people. And uh, we're in a situation we're going to have to keep pushing. And people, enough people collectively are going to have to decide, we can do better than this. Like, no matter if you're Democrat or Republican, everybody can agree, this is some bullshit. Like, we can do better than this. Period. No, that's good stuff. Um, I mean, like, I think you're correct, though, also in the sense that we right now have leadership that is consensus seeking. You know, they're looking to see what the pub, they focus group everything. They look at to see what the people will buy. But really, particularly in times of crisis, it'd be great to have this all the time, but particularly in times of crisis, you want leaders with vision. You want leaders that build consensus, don't see, not to seek consensus. Correct. And so, and right now, as long as we have leaders that are basically hacks, they look to see what the, the temperature of the public is and then jump in front of that and say, yeah, I stand for that. And then whatever, the, then when that changes, then they stand for something else. You know, when, when the public's saying, hey, you know, we, the government may be spending too much, then they're like, yeah, the government spends too much. When the public says, hey, we want money, they're like, hey, we got to give the public money. And they're, again, they're just trying to win the next press conference. They're trying to give people what they want. And instead, we need people with vision, people who have a clear idea of how they can make things better. And then, like you said, the courage to try to actually implement that. Tunde, any thoughts on this before we wrap? Yeah, no, it's, um, so you guys, you guys are depressing me here. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm sad because what you guys are making me realize is that, um, is that, you know, politicians are human beings too. And unfortunately, we're, they're so desperate for, for survival that they're not leading. 
Now, now they're, Tunde, they're, Tunde. You know what I mean? I think yeah. true to the spirit of the Tunde creed, you should say sometimes <laughs> politicians sometimes. are human politicians beings. Politicians are human beings too. I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. Um, no, and so and so. But what I'm also thinking as you guys are talking is I. I feel like it's very difficult for us to leave this 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 space and this this time that we're in with regards to how we're dealing with each other because everyone is being kind of is like manipulated by the different platforms of media and and internet. So they're all like like they all meet in this chamber called the the U.S. Congress, right? The, the Capitol building, and they're supposed to do legislation on our behalf. But before they get there and after they finish doing what they're doing, they run back out to some camera that is on some station that they feel they have to, you know, be a certain way and be very partisan and and to show their constituents and all their people back home. And then the people that fund their campaigns and all that, that they're that they're so um, uh, so genuine and that they are that they are. you know, holier than thou with regards to whatever the issue is that, that they think that people want to hear. And I think that's just, we're polarized and no one wants to take their hand out and reach out across to the other side and say, you know what, I hear, I hear you and just be, you know, be humble like that. And until we have more of that from people on both sides of it, I think that, um, that, um, I don't think, I think that's actually premature. I don't think we can have that yet because I don't think everyone's honest either with themselves or with the, the, in publicly in terms of when they say what they're about. I don't think enough people are being honest with what they really want. Like the tea party was an example of that. Like, but there are a lot of examples where people will say they're about one thing, but that's not really what they're about. They're saying they're about one thing in order to win the press conference, but really what they're about is something different. Correct. And if, yeah, and you that's can't a good point. reach out and say, okay, I understand what you're saying. Let's try to come to agreement. Because if you're not being honest about what you're about, you can't approach these things in good faith. And good faith is needed in order to reach out and come to compromise with someone who you may not disagree with. Yep. So first, we need people to be honest with what they're about. Then we can get to a place where we can then have some reconciliation. And when you they're know, not honest, but, you gotta yeah. expose their ass to show that they're not honest. Hey, and then you gotta go. You go. So it's a it's a like this is the tricky part with all this. It's not a it's it's a balance of a whole bunch of stuff. It's a balance of yeah. theatrics, it's a balance of knowing when to reach out. It's a it's a balance of knowing when to crush your opponents too and being comfortable doing all those things when hey. it comes to hey, man. when it comes to it. S- simple but not easy, right? Simple but not easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, good. Also, That's a good I think I think embedded with this too is is the idea of education. You know, not everyone's gotta be a Mensa student, but the, the lack of investment in public education truly in this country for the last 40 years or so, I think, is reflected in the, the uh, large mass of the population being un, unable to really break down some of these. Too, but go, but no, but proceed. just the, the, unable, the inability to break down some of these basic ideas like socialism and capitalism. Like I don't know, man. I think, I think I would disagree with you on that I because disagree. what we're talking about here is, in, is, is like intelligent, social intelligence. That's what we're really lacking Correct. here. If you can't, like, regardless of how smart you are, if you can't look at somebody who's telling you one thing and see that they're full of you know what, if they are full of you know what, no book is going to save you from that. Like, you need to be able to see who's being real, who's not being real, who's trying to always blame somebody else for their problem. Like, look, 
I'll tell you this, and this is, I, I don't, I didn't really want to get political here, and this, this isn't overly political, but it's just an exemplification <laughs> of like an extreme. Don't do it. No, no, no. <laughs> if someone can tell you, if someone can tell you that they have all the authority and none of the responsibility, and you immediately don't call BS on that, then your social intelligence is just lacking because look, and like, I, and, how and, could and anyone ever have That's what I tell my kids. Hold on, let me finish the point. Hold on, let me just, I gotta emphasize this. How could anyone ever have all of the authority and none of the responsibility? Like, how could that ever be? Like, if you have, with great power comes great responsibility. The more power you have, the more responsibility you have. Like, that's... And James, uh, somebody I like, people I I know to against Tunde's point that are very educated, have two or three degrees. I put something up, and they were trying to find ways. Well, did you say? Did you look at what he said in context? I said, in what context would this be okay? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just like, and then they had nothing else. Like, I just don't understand. So people. What happened? Like that's, that's that's just a clear example of something. It was where, super, but it's super clear, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's super clear, and yet people that are highly educated. I'm talking about people that are very educated today. We're trying well, to find I'm ways like, to defend. There, not yeah. to say that education couldn't help, but the the issue I think is more so that people aren't the, the, the lack of accountability. Like Correct. even if I support somebody, I should be able to see when they're full of you know what. Like yes. like hell, oh, yo, dude. Like even if I'm saying, hey man, you probably shouldn't have said that. Like that that's not a like that doesn't look well on you, or that—that's nonsense. So like, you should be able to say when or know when even people you support are spouting nonsense. You know, yeah. like I, I with Obama, I supported Obama, but when he was ta- spending all this time trying to get people who had said they were going to try to stop anything he would he was do, they wanted him to fail, even if it made America fail. And he spent all this time trying to convince them that they should go support him. I'm like, yo, you're wasting your time. What are you doing? You're that, that's stupid. Like. I can I can see that regardless, and I can still support him, even though I think he's doing something or saying something that's ridiculous. Yes. But that's the intelligence I think we lack is just the ability to like if if you're you know like dating a woman and she says, hey, I'm gonna go to my ex boyfriend's house and we're gonna hang out tonight and I'll probably spend the night and you're like, okay, that's cool with me. <laughs> you know what? That's your, your social intelligence might be lacking. You're like that's just not a just good a look. Bit. <laughs> not a good look. You gotta be able to know when to call BS on people, even people that you like. You know, and so I, I think we can end That's there. That's a good way to end. That's a good yeah, way to end. That's yeah, a mic yeah, drop like, moment, brother. You just say, <laughs> boom, leave the mic. There you go. There you go. So, well, no, I mean, it, it, it's definitely, it's a conversation, though, as you can see, you know, that, that gets us all excited because ultimately, I mean, one reason why we're here, you know, is that we want better outcomes for more people. I mean, like, that's really, that, that, that's a big part of why we're here, why we're doing this. And so we like to share our thoughts. We see these things, share our observations. Uh, we always appreciate the audience for joining us. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, we hopefully you can take something away each time. Um, you know, so until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Aguilana. And I'm Rob Richardson. All right, subscribe, rate, review, tell us what you think. You know, and see you next time.